Hey, what's going on everyone? This is Jeff from A Series of Horrors, and we are looking for sponsors. If you are interested in sponsoring A Series of Horrors podcast, all you need to do is reach out to us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com, or you can always slide into our DMs at Series of Horrors podcast on Instagram. Thanks. Hello and welcome to a series of horrors podcast. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff from America. And today we're continuing our vampire theme, but beginning a new franchise. It is going to be as the Fright Night franchise. Four movies, two in the 80s and two in the 2000s. But today's going to be the 1987 version. 85. It's Fright Night starring Herman's Head, Prince Humperdinck, and um, Marcy Darcy. And Evil Ed, apparently, because the evilest, evilest best friend you could ever evil is apparently also in this movie. I actually had a lot of fun watching this movie today. I think this is what we needed. We needed some 80s camp to revive us. We so did because we were so serious and dour with Saw movies. Then we saw Truth Seekers, which was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Then Bored to Tears with Paranormal Activity. And then one of us enjoyed What We Do in the Shadows. Won't say who, but some, one of us did. One of us, not so much. Some, some strange, strange woman. I don't know. For reasons unbeknownst to me, one of us enjoyed it, the other one didn't. And um, today, 80s camp saves the day. Ah, it feels so good. I remember watching this movie when it was new and I hadn't seen it since. Literally remembered two things about the movie. Maybe, no, three things about the movie. That there were vampires, mm. one, what happened to the best friend, mm. and that the main savior guy didn't want to be there and was scared the whole movie and it literally was useless. And nothing else. Fair enough. Held up for you? It held up as much as 80s movies can hold up. Of course, it has this troublesome 80s movie era stuff, mm. but other than that, it's amazing. Like, I haven't had this much fun watching one of our movies since, like, one of the Saw movies, probably. No, no, Paranormal Activity 3. That's the one I liked. So, yeah, since then. I did enjoy Paranormal Activity 3, I will admit that, but I would say that this one, a joy to it that is not in Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity 3 is not, it's not fun. It's, it, I haven't had this droid since Saw 1 because there is fun to that movie. <laughs> oh, no, no. To me, Saw 3 is the most fun one to me, but still, I enjoyed that one a bunch. Saw 3 is still heavy. It's all about a father who's struggling and he's lost his son and all of this stuff. Whereas Saw 1, we have Adam and you, everyone knows of my love for Adam. <laughs> I am much like Christopher Walken with the needs more cowbell and um, needs more Adam. That is me for every other movie. <laughs> that is not Saw 1. <laughs> uh, well, Adam's in a bunch of them. He's in 1, he's in 3. Doesn't he come back like in five or something for like a scene. Love Adam, but Lee is not the best actor. No, he's not the best actor at all, but I love him. <laughs> I, I love him in Insidious as well. Just, it's not that he's good. It's just Lee. Lee, if you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> well, I love you too, but you know, I just, I love your writing and your directing. Your acting, maybe not so much. And also, Jackie might concur, Dead Silence does not hold up. And yeah, I believe it at that. That one definitely didn't hold up. Sorry. But it, it just didn't. We watched that for fun a few weeks ago. And there was one part that held up, I think. The twist holds up. The twist was still decent. But the, what was it? When he's in this crawl space and Mary Shaw comes after the coroner. That was the only part that was like, oh, that was actually a bit scare. Come on, you didn't like uh, Detective Donnie um, shaving all movie? <laughs> oh, the return of Detective Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> like him just shaving for no reason the entire movie. Just he has a razor and his gun and his badge. That's literally all he carries. He's constantly shaving, yet he always has a five o'clock shower. <laughs> like, <laughs> Imagine if he didn't shave. He'd be like ZZ Top 
like kind of with a beard down to his ankles if he didn't shave literally every 10 every five minutes he's just like shaving oh man also the return of somebody eating an apple came in this movie so we know who the asshole is he's like five apples in this movie he just wants to make sure that you know he's the asshole like listen right, make sure you're an apple then they'll know that you're an asshole thank you cinema sins he eats an apple throws it at you eats another one throws it again it's, it's great and we have literally maybe the dumbest protagonist of any movie i've ever watched oh my gosh so dumb <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Nothing would have happened to him if he didn't go, go out looking for it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's get into it because we need to discuss how dumb this main character is. Yeah, Herman's head is an idiot. Let's get, let's get going. Wait, what's the Herman's head reference? All right. Herman's head, it was a sitcom that the main character was in maybe five years after this, six years after this, whatever. It was. If you ever saw Inside Out, it was a sitcom version of Inside Out. 20 years or 25 years before Inside Out came out. It was about a guy. His four aspects inside. The only difference it was um, like smart, the wild person. So instead of angry, like his sensitive side and another one. I can't remember what the, third, what the fourth one was. There was four of them. And like it would, it would, it would be the show that he would be living his life, doing his, his live life things. And then it would cut every so often to the four people in his head that dictated what he did kind of like in Inside Out, I imagine, because I haven't seen Inside Out. I haven't seen it. But um, So it's kind of like that. But yes, that's what Herman's head was. So it was like, what was going on inside Herman's head? His name was Herman. Herman's head. Oh, okay. Fair enough. And not for nothing, how did we not get a movie called Fright Night until 1985? Yeah, it, it seems like an oversight. Because it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't even say vampire, it just says horror movie, Fright Night. Like, and this, it rhymes, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice, it sticks in your brain. We got a good one though, don't get me wrong. I liked it. I just don't know if I like this or the remake more. I have not seen the remake, so we'll have to see. But I did keep on picturing Humperdinck as Colin Farrell and being like, hmm, I could see Colin Farrell really doing this well because every time I look at this man, all I think is Humperdinck. <laughs> Colin Farrell does an amazing job in the remake, which we'll get to in a couple weeks. Well, let's get into it. So this movie opens on a full moon and we hear a werewolf's howl. Then a man is asking, what was that? The woman calls him Jonathan and she says that it was just a child of the night. We then get some more really cheesy lines between these two. It sounds quite romantic. And then we pan in through a window and we see that it is a movie being played on a TV. It's a vampire movie. And we get our first introduction to Peter Vincent, the vampire killer. Roddy McDowell, by the way. His character is supposed to be some like hokey horror guy that stars in a bunch of movies and doesn't do a great job, but is iconic all the same. Yeah, picture if, he, well, maybe not Hugh Jackman from Van Helsing, but who? If Brendan Fraser <laughs> from The Mummy was found out to fight actual real mummies is kind of where I'm at with this. Well, apparently, oh, who wrote the script for this again? I can't think of it. It's the same as the director. I didn't write it down, though. Oh, it's um Tom Holland. It's Tom Spider-Man. Holland. Yes. <laughs> Spider-Man, but not. Spider-Man, but Spider-Man wasn't even alive yet. But yes, <laughs> Spider-Man wrote this. He originally wanted this character to be like Vincent Price, but Rodney McDowell Blah, 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 tongue tied over here. <laughs> Roddy McDowell. Yes. Um, he was just like, no, this character needs to be far more cheesy than Vincent Price ever could be. It's not going to be an homage to him after all. And, and it wasn't. No. So there's a couple. They're making out on the floor as opposed to in the bed. And they're doing this instead of watching the TV. As you do. Yep. She pops up and tells him to watch because Peter Vincent is on and he loves him. But he's just like, no, I want to make out more. And he keeps on trying to feel her up and she keeps on pushing his hand down and telling him no. And then eventually she yells at him. I said no. And then he gets up, walks away from her and yells at her for telling him to stop. 
and is like, you're always telling me to stop. We've been dating a year. Why are you always telling me to stop? He then apologizes quickly, but then she immediately apologizes to him, too. And is like, no, it's my fault and kisses him. This is where I have my note of, is this a 40 year old making out with a teenager? Like, why does why this woman look so old? And immediately had to Google who she was, how old she was when this movie came out. She was 27, but she looks 40. It's because she looks the same a couple years later and for like the next 20 years or whatever, 15, when she's unmarried with children. She doesn't look that much different. Basically, I feel like 20 27 in the 80s was 40. There was something about young women in the 80s. They wanted to look like dowdy secretaries. Like they- it's the shoulder pads. Everybody wore shoulder pads back then. Maybe that's it. And the short haircuts that are like all feathered and like, I don't know. It's just people looked older than they were in the 80s, I feel. Or women at least. But anyways, she then tells him, let's get into bed. And I'm like, really? What was that turnaround? It's been a year and you won't even let him feel you up. And now you want to have sex with him because he yelled at you? He yelled at her, but then he immediately apologized because he's like, I'm in the wrong. I'm sorry. I just got But then she's like, no, I was in the wrong. Let's have sex. Uh, It's weird. It's it's 1985. Doesn't make it right. Tom Holland, you do not know how to write women. That's all I have to say. You didn't know how to write women in 1985. I guess. I mean, one way to go about it. So he's like excited for all of 0.5 seconds and then immediately gets distracted by two men outside who are carrying a coffin down into the neighbor's basement. Yeah, and he cares way too much about this coffin. Way too much. Way too much. I also have a note that one of the men is dressed like Bender from The Breakfast Club, and I will maintain that thought for the entire movie. He has the exact same trench coat as Bender. And then the red scarf really reminds me of the, the flannel. And they never go into what he is, but what was he anyway? Oh, Billy? Yeah. I'm talking about Humperdinck. Humperdinck was dressed like oh, that. I'm assuming that Billy was some sort of vampire type thing because he dies from being staked in the heart. But he's out in the day, but I don't know. Is he out in the day, though? He's always in the shady veranda. No, no, he's, always, he's out in the day. When is he, like, out, out in the day? I thought, like, later on, you see him, like, out doing stuff in the yard, right? It's not at night. Like, no, it was in the day. I thought, like, in a scene or two, it was like, he's out in the day doing stuff. They even talk about in the movie, like, oh, Billy's not a vampire because I because he's out in the day and I have a gun to kill him. Also, he turns into goop. Like, I just don't know the laws of vampires in this movie. If it, he is a vampire, I'm not sure. Also, what, I questions. They'll come later on. Okay. This movie has two vampire rules that you don't see often. One I hate and one I love. We'll get to when we get to them. But okay. was- <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me now. But okay. I was going to, but I'm going to leave the suspense. Have everybody in the edge of their seat like, what are the two rules, Jeff? What are they? I'll be waiting with bated breath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Amy's undressing and getting into bed. But, oh, his name's Charlie, by the way. I haven't introduced him yet. Charlie is too busy with his binoculars spying on the neighbors. Why does he just have binoculars by his window? No one knows. Because he is stalking all his neighbors. And by the way, I think they're on the same street as in Monster Squad, but I couldn't quite, I'm not exactly sure. Huh, interesting. I also realized very quickly, well, actually, no, I guess that's more playing off of Rear Window. I'm like, oh, Disturbia, like, picked up off of this movie a whole lot. Rihanna the song, that one? Okay. No, the Shia LaBeouf movie. 
I was trying to tee you up to start singing the Rihanna song so you get your song out the way, but you know. I don't like that song. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just saw a chance to get a song in and so thought I would try to give you a shot at it. No, it has to come naturally, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, naturally, yeah. Okay. She says that she's ready and he's all, Amy, there were two guys carrying a coffin. That's way cooler than your tits are having sex. Yeah, because that's what I would have done. At like 16 or whatever old he's supposed to be in this movie. Yeah, exactly. He's far more interested in coffins than tits. Whatever. Each their own. Exactly. If that's that, Maybe that's his kink. His kink is he wants to do it in a coffin and oh God. Now, he's, now he's turned on by something else. Well, Humberdink is a very horned up vampire. Maybe that's really what it was. Maybe he got turned on by Humberdink. Apparently every w- other woman is, so why not Charlie as well? Why not? But anyways. Okay. So she storms out. And I don't blame her because what the fuck, Charlie? He then chases her and he's still talking about the coffin and she yells at him about not wanting to make love to her in front of his mother. Like she's in the open doorway to the living room where his mother is sitting. And she's like, if you don't want to make love to me. And she's like, lover's quarrel? I think she thought they were already doing it upstairs anyway. The way the mom was talking. Yeah, but she's just like, are you having a lover's spat? And I'm like, what is happening? I don't understand. And then she starts talking about them getting married. And she's just like, you know, it's healthy for you guys to argue before getting married. And Charlie's like, Mom, I'm in high school. What are you talking about? She's like, it's never too early to plan ahead. <laughs> oh, this mother. The mom is, be- is better written in the remake. That, uh, that that can go to. The mom's like the only character I actually liked in this movie besides Peter Vincent. <laughs> well, she's barely in it, though. She's in it like a little while. She's like oblivious to the world. And I appreciated her for that. She was a typical 80s mom. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, you do you. You be oblivious to everything. You're, you're great. I love a lady if she's trapped in her bedroom. She's, she's like, Charlie, I'm trapped in my bedroom. Oh, no. Please save me. I'm just like, what's going on with this? What's happening? Even though you're the one that's screaming, you need to save me. You need to save me. My bedroom door won't open. I'm stuck. Please. All right. Meanwhile, in this scene, Charlie runs over to the window of the living room and he's still busy spying on the neighbors. Amy's saying goodnight and he doesn't even turn around to say goodnight to her. He's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Good night. She's like, Fuck you! And I'm like, girl, dump his ass. I thought she was gonna, and then she didn't. Right? She really, really should have, but no, she doesn't. And then she for it. Because after, even after she gives him a second chance, boy, does he throw that out the window like two seconds later. Absolutely, he's the worst. Just some John Ralphio, the worst. He is a fool, a total fool. The mom tells him that somebody bought the place next door and he's a fixer upper and that's what he does. He fixes up houses and he's very attractive. Meanwhile, on the news, they're saying that a murdered man was found. We cut to school and Charlie is complaining that he did badly on a pop quiz to his friend, question mark, Ed, who he just calls evil. Even though his friend doesn't like being called evil, but if you saw him, you would call him evil. Oh, man. I just... In my head, I wish that his name was Sid because he just reminded me of Toy Story Sid. <laughs> like, oh, just like yes. The murderous version of Sid. Yes, that is. I'm sure that there are bodies in this man's crawl space in his house because this is this dude. You're the true crime person here. So what? tell me, which serial killer does he remind you of? Because he had to remind you of one of them. Maybe Ed Gein, but no, most serial killers are more low-key than this. <laughs> like, oh, this dude is over the top. Yeah, they're not so obvious about it because they want to get away with murder. <laughs> Oh, this dude doesn't even care about getting away with murder. He's just screw so, it. I want to kill people. Charlie Manson, but Charlie Manson technically is not a serial killer because he didn't kill people. Yeah, he didn't kill anyone. He sent people to kill people. Yeah. What about, would, would this guy be like a spree killer, like Jason Voorhees? Uh, well, I mean, at this point, Jason Voorhees is a serial killer because he 
he has many a spree killing. Well, it's just because he can't be killed. That's not. That's not. You know. Um. Well, that he should stop killing. Come on. He's clearly a serial killer at this point. It's a bunch of little sprees put together because they all take place over an evening. I mean, depends on the movie. I feel like, aren't there some that go over more than one day? A lot of movies do go over a day, but once the killing starts, it's basically the night. Like they say, they start, He starts killing around 6 o'clock in the evening and goes all night. I'm gonna kill people all night probably every day. There you go. See, that was natural. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I felt forced. That was, that was what I was going to say. But fine, we could, we could go with it and be all right. It's natural to me. <laughs> Still the song does works for me. So yeah, we're at school. Amy pushes through Ed and Charlie. She's still pissed, rightfully so. And we do get introduced to Ed in the scene, but we only get to know him as evil. Eventually we find out his name is Ed. But they just call him evil. We cut to Charlie and he's driving back to his house in his super ugly beat up car. But then at the same time, I felt like they had taken a normal car and they just painted splotches on it. Maybe he was saving up for a paint job. He couldn't afford it because he's too busy looking at coffins all the time. He just couldn't afford <laughs> to go. He's too busy job. buying crucifixes. And candles, apparently. He must have, like, ransacked the church. I was going to say he had more candles than the set of The Bachelor, and I didn't think that was possible. And this is what I don't get. Turning on the light wouldn't have made a difference. Like, it doesn't have to be candles. Like, I, the crucifix is fine. I'll give you a pass on those. You didn't need to have the crucifixes by candlelight. Your bedroom lights work just as fine. My only thought was that fire also defeats vampires, but I don't think they mentioned that in this movie. I don't think so. I don't know. But anyway, a beautiful woman gets out of a cab and apparently she was the playmate for July in like 1980 something. So that's why they chose her. All right. I can see that. So it wasn't her stellar stiff acting ability. No, wasn't that? (laughs) No, apparently not. I'm shocked. All right. Truly shocking. (laughs) She asked Charlie if he's at 99 Oak and he's like, no, that's next door. And she's like, great. And then we objectify her. We take a nice long shot of her ass. Charlie comes inside and asks his mom if he has, if she has seen the neighbor yet. She says no, but he has a live-in carpenter. So he's probably gay. Charlie says that he's not. um, And then he goes to study which absolutely shocks his mother so i think she was assuming that they were having sex because they were apparently studying last night too so or like she was helping him with his quote-unquote homework because she asked her in a way like so how was the homework he mm-hmm. he he yeah as he's studying in his room a light turns on next door and then we hear a blood curdling scream and the light goes out and charlie just kind of like looks over his shoulder and that's it we catch charlie at a diner he's studying and amy comes up he says sorry and she takes the whole blame for the whole entire thing when it's when she wasn't her fault not even a little bit not not at all it's all my fault that you were so distracted it's fine no it wasn't and no it's not <laughs> it's not fine it's not your fault so he says that he loves her and then she's like i'm so happy that we're working this out i've been miserable the past two days meanwhile charlie gets super distracted by the news again and ignores her i'm actually she just kind of stand up for herself at this point yes i do have that written but right now the news is saying that there's a second victim a woman he it's the woman that he saw asking for his neighbor's house the news is saying that she was a sex worker and meanwhile amy's just like are you listening to me charlie and he's not and then ed comes out of nowhere and it's just like it's the second murder in two days both had their heads chopped off <laughs> he's like you're sick maybe he's ed Gein actually with the head chopping off <laughs> not ed Gein, ed uh, kemper maybe he's kemper the kemper was more yeah like you said they're all been low-key this dude is not low-key like you would if people started dying i'm surprised the cops weren't already at ed's house 
Oh, Lord. Meanwhile, Amy steals some guy's burger and smashes it into Charlie's face and then pieces out. What the fuck, Amy? Why are you stealing some guy's burger? He paid good money for that. He did, but Charlie deserved it. And he could pay for that guy's other burger, I guess. But like, she doesn't say anything to the guy. She just steals his burger and smashes it in Charlie's face and then walks away. She doesn't say like, he'll get your next one or something like that. Like, or I'm sorry, I'm taking this. Anything. She's just like, no, I'm going to be a complete and utter bitch to you, you innocent bystander. Well, I think she might have saved them because the burger turns into like sawdust or something. So maybe she did him a favor because it didn't like the patty didn't really stay like a patty just kind of like yeah, it just nothing, so. turned into smooshed on his face it was pretty gross yeah. it looked more like a sloppy gel it did look like, yeah so maybe she did him a favor that's what i'm gonna go with saved him from food poisoning exactly <laughs> and gave it to charlie we can only hope but no unfortunately we cut to charlie <laughs> yeah. and he is scoping out his neighbor's house we see the living carpenter is painting the windows black charlie open decides to go and open the storm cellar door and the carpenter comes out and asks him what he's doing he says nothing and he tells charlie to make sure that he stays away right now charlie's trespassing in this guy's house trying to open his basement absolutely it's completely insane because charlie when the cop comes like i was just so mad okay <laughs> deep breaths and let's <laughs> oh no uh, like to what end this is you go into the storm cellar and then what are you gonna do Exactly. What if you're trespassing? What are you going to do in there? Oh, look, there's a coffin. Let me open up this coffin. Why would you open up a coffin? <laughs> like, I don't uh, <laughs> Charlie, I don't know. Uh, Charlie, 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 Charlie. We cut back to Charlie. He's watching more vampire movies and he's spying on his neighbor, but he fell asleep. He then wakes up and he sees that his neighbor is with a woman who takes off her top. And here's my annoying fun fact. It's not fun. Um, Apparently, the director said that before they filmed the scene, he told the set dresser to rub ice on her nipples because they weren't hard enough. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Tom Holland. And then they made you Spider-Man? Jesus, man. Not so friendly after all. (laughs) No, he's not your neighborhood friendly anything at this point. And this is weird because he is staring at his neighbor, hooking up with a woman, and then she strips in front of an open window because that's what you do. And it seems like she sees Charlie well in She's taking off her top, like, by the eye contact with the camera. And then Charlie's just staring, as you would as you, if you're 15, so fine, I forgive you at that point. But then when he gets caught, it's just like, oh, 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 um, he doesn't like, I don't know, he just makes it weird, I guess. I don't know. There's something about that just didn't ring true, or didn't ring right to me. But he keeps on staring at the same time because he knows that he's been caught because he sees the guy has caught him. But he also saw that this dude has fangs and he was about to bite this chick's neck. And then the neighbor goes and closes the blinds and he has very long fingers with sharp fingernails. Charlie then goes to wake up his mom, telling her that the neighbor has fangs. And she's like, you're crazy. Shut up. I have to wake up early. He then looks back out uh, the window and he sees the carpenter slash Billy loading something in the trunk of his car. Charlie goes outside to spy on them from the bushes. This pissed me off to knowing this part right here. so dumb. He's standing behind like a branch. Might as well stand next to him. Might as well go up to him and say, and ask him what you're doing. Because you, you're hiding here is literally doing nothing at all. <laughs> it would be like almost as much as pulling some leaves off a tree and holding them in front of your face. He's so obviously <laughs> sitting there. But anyways, while he's hiding in the bush, we do see Billy loading what looks like a body into the car, a body in a trash bag. We then see something jump from the roof and then fly over his head. Apparently it's a bat. And then it turns into the neighbor. 
he tells Billy that he forgot the lady's purse and hands it to Billy. As he's doing this, the mom comes out and she starts calling for Charlie. So then Humperdinck, who is the vampire neighbor, turns to look right at Charlie in the bushes as he's eating an apple. And then he throws the apple right in front of Charlie. Basically saying, listen, I see you sitting there because how could I not see you? I don't have to be, I have nighttime vampire vision to see you behind that little branch yeah. in this bush with that, with any leaves in it. Come on. Come on, Charlie. So Charlie then scrambles and runs inside. He scrambles and runs inside like if he was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Little kid just got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. I was going to say scrambles and runs inside like Scooby and Shaggy when they run into the ghost. Like It's just like legs flapping underneath him until he finally runs all the way inside. I'm surprised he didn't run in and go into his bed under the covers or something. But mom's offering to make him hot cocoa because <laughs> she thinks that he had a so nightmare. Nice. And he's like, yeah, he's just like, I wasn't a nightmare, mom. He's a vampire. <laughs> she's like, but the cocoa is so nice. The marshmallows aren't melted right in this microwave, but still the cocoa is really good. But who makes cocoa by microwaving it? Like, am I the only one that boils water and then you add it to the powder? No, I'm not a big hot chocolate hot cocoa person, so I don't make it really. But the times I do do it is usually with milk. That's true. With milk, it's good. I usually put the milk in the microwave, heat that up, and then like mix it. Oh, yeah. So he says that it's a vampire. We then cut to him telling Amy that it's a vampire. And she asks if it's some sort of trick to get her back. I'm like, if this is your relationship that you're getting each other back by pretending that you're insane and just smushing burgers in people's face. Like, just break up already, please. Well, hey, I always get you back for pretending to see a vampire. Come on, that's just that's what we do. Just what we do. I mean, I know that last week I said that it was a werewolf, but this week it's a vampire. Who knows what it'll be next week? The man from Mars? The <laughs> creature from the Black Lagoon? It could be anything next week. That's what keeps our relationship fresh. All right. Charlie then goes to the cops about the two women because she tells him that he can't go to the cops saying that it's a vampire. And he's like, fine, I'll tell him about the two women. So a homicide detective comes with him, goes and knocks on the neighbor's door with Charlie in tow. And Billy opens the door. He says that Humperdinck is out of town and lets them in. And Charlie comes inside too. I'm just, it baffles me because this is not how police work works. But okay, sure. Well, you don't remember the 80s. This is how it happened back then. You oh, would take okay. the person accusing right. you with you to the cops. And then, you know, as well as that. I mean, based on all the documentaries and podcasts I listened to, policing was pretty terrible in the 80s. So maybe, maybe that's, maybe this is accurate. I love how the cops fully letting him snoop around the house. Yeah, he gets to snoop around the house, which is insane, by the way. There's very intricate woodwork all over the house. There are sculptures, the ends of each staircase post, and they're covered in cobwebs. And then there's this giant, beautiful medallion stained glass window right at the top of the stairs. And I just want to ask, so this place that was on the market forever because no one would pick it up looked like this the entire time because they just moved in a couple days ago. So they didn't do this. Nope, they didn't do it. They just happened to look that way always. And no one would buy it? The mom, when they sell the house, the mom made it sound like there was like structural issues with the house because when they, oh, so-and-so called me and said they finally got a property house. Boy, that buyer doesn't know what he got himself into, blah, blah, blah. And then like Charlie says, vampires! And then yeah, they drop it at that. Maybe it's riddled with termites and you know he's a vampire so he doesn't care or something i mean the house will fall down around him and if the house is made of wood he could get stakes so he should care <laughs> okay maybe it's riddled with 
rats. And he's like, screw it. You know, it's a creature that I like me. There's crickets everywhere. He can't sleep at night because they're always screeching or something. But since he's up at night, it doesn't matter. You know, it could be, who knows? Anyways, I was just baffled that this house had always looked like a vampire's house, but only recently has been inhabited by one. Maybe it was a vampire that was there before. Maybe, you know, just... It's just been passed down from vampire to vampire. Exactly. So the detective is saying that there was murder last night and that Charlie says that he saw the victim at this house. Billy says that's not possible. He was with Jerry, aka Humperdinck, all night and nobody else was with them. Charlie says, that's a lie. I saw him carry her body in a plastic bag. Billy says Charlie is crazy, although he did take out some trash last night. And Charlie is rifling through their stuff and they're just letting him. And he reveals that there is a painted portrait of what looks like Amy packed in a crate. Charlie then says the bag that he saw had a body, not trash in it. And Billy asks if he actually saw the body. It's like, no. And Billy offers to show the detective the bags of trash. Charlie then says that he can prove he's lying. Let's look in the basement instead. And they're like, why? What are we going to find in the basement? All bad questions. And he's like, there's a coffin. I saw them carrying it in. You'll find Jerry Dandridge in the, in there. Sleeping the sleep of the undead was the direct quote. Yeah, because that's going to go over well with the cops. Yes. So both Billy and the detective start laughing and Charlie continues going off about how his neighbor's a vampire and the cop's just like what the fuck is wrong with you he pulls him out of the house and he's super pissed off and tells him not to call again pretty much all legitimate completely so charlie drives over to his one true best friend evil ed's house i think ed was planning on ways to kill charlie until he got away later on but yeah pretty much so charlie's in a panic because he says that the vampire now knows that he knows that he's a vampire because you're an idiot that's why he knows there was no reason for him to be so explicit and completely showed his hand you could have left well enough alone Mm -hmm. but no no. and the vampire didn't seem like a bad guy so far but what i've seen he's murdered a couple people but you know man's gotta eat i mean he couldn't be like angel and buffy and have animal blood maybe not under these rules Okay, so Ed's laughing at how crazy he is, and then he's like, evil, blah, 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 and Ed says not to call him evil anymore. He then asks why he should help him, because, like, why? Why would I ever help you, kind of thing? Because Charlie is clearly a dick to him all the time. So Charlie offers him $8, and Ed's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Far be it for me to not take a fool's money or something like that. Yeah. So he takes the money and then he offers him a crucifix saying that he has to believe in it for it to work and that he should get some garlic and holy water that the vamp can't come into his house unless he's invited by the rightful owner of the house. And this is where I'm like, oh, I see where this is going. And here is one of the rules that I love that not every horror movie, vampire movie puts in is the cross one where the cross only works if it's something you believe in. Like if you don't believe in it, it's just a piece of wood or just a piece of metal. It's just, it's it's nothing. But it's your faith that makes it strong, not the actual shape of it. So my question here is would like a mezuzah work too or a Quran or a keeper? <laughs> Depends on what you read. Like when I was reading Dresden, it, yes. Like it's it's uh, something that you have faith in. So in him, let's just say if we were still watching um, Paranormal Activity, you show him the Deathly Hallows, it would work because that's what you believe in. Excellent. Okay. So what you're yeah. saying is that from now on, if I am ever faced with a vampire, I should hit them with the Deathly Hallows. Well, do you believe in the Deathly Hallows? I mean, obviously. <laughs> 
Okay, if you believe in the thousand, yes, but you have to find <laughs> it's your faith in that thing that gives it strength. It's not the thing itself. That's which is something that you don't see often in vampire movies, but you see it every sometimes, and I like it every time I see it. I, I did appreciate that, but right now the mom calls Charlie downstairs and says that she wants him to meet someone, and let's guess who it is. It is dun 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 the vampire from next door. Humpadick. Dun 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 dun. It's Jigsaw. Wait no. <laughs> If only. But no, it's comforting. That would have been great. Charlie, let's play a game. So we have a close up on his fingers. They're no longer long and pointed. They're normal. Humperdinck says now that he's been invited in, he'll drop by any time he likes. Basically, everything Humperdinck ever says is slightly menacing, but he says it in a way that could be normal. Except for the look in his eye Mm -hmm. and the way he's looking at Charlie. Exactly. So Charlie's backing away. He says that he has to go study and he goes back upstairs. We cut tonight. The mom has a raggedy Ann doll in her room, which I was just like, hi, Annabelle. <laughs> Good old Annabelle. She's just keeping her company. Yes. Uh, Charlie is sleeping with a crucifix and then something dark passes his window. He then wakes up to thuds on the roof. He goes downstairs and he hears this screeching noise at the window. And then he realized that it's tree branches that are scraping against the window. We cut to Humperdinck, who is now inside the mom's room. And he lets himself out into the hall and closes the door. Does he lock it behind him? I was too busy writing notes. What he does to her door, it's like he like jams it, basically. Mm-hmm. Like he like breaks the frame in a way so that she couldn't get out. She, which is why later she's like, I'm stuck yeah. in the room. Help me, Charlie. You know. Mm-hmm. So he then lets himself into Charlie's room. Charlie then goes back into his room and he looks over at Humperdinck's house as Humperdinck himself creeps up behind him from the closet. Then throws him uh, into the closet saying that he's going to kill him. He's saying that Charlie has caused him a whole lot of trouble by getting the police and telling people that he was a vampire and blah. So he then offers him that if he just forgets about all of this, then it will be fine. And he is giving him a choice. But Charlie pulls out a crucifix and then Humperdinck pushes his arm away so that he can't hit him with the crucifix. And then he continues to strangle Charlie and then starts holding him outside of the window. And then a picture of his mom, I think it was. No, no it was um, Marcy Darcy. I can't remember. His girlfriend, Amy. Uh, it falls out the window and then gets staked on the fence post. So this leads Charlie to remember that vampires can get staked. And so he grabs a pencil and he stabs it through Humperdinck's hand, which for some reason actually hurts him. Or works at all? Because uh, I don't know. Yeah. As far as I know, it's always been a stake through the heart. Apparently... Any piece of blood piercing his body is going to hurt him and make him vamp out a bit. And not for nothing, before we get too far, he was given a pretty decent chance in this movie. Mm-hmm. But listen, let's start fresh. You forget about me, I forget about you, and we can just come see, come see, hey, we can just live, we can just live together in peace and harmony. I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone, and we'll be copacetic. I think I might have taken him up on his offer there. Absolutely. I mean, he was being strangled at the time, so maybe he was like, I don't think you're actually going to do this, but... No, he didn't get strangled up until like he said that, and then he pulls a crucifix out. And then he gets strangled. He was already being held by the neck. I count that as strangling. I don't don't listen. He wants to make sure he listen. I listen. I'm like, you know what? Considering, I think you do a valid point here. I think I'm right to you live your life. I live my life. You don't bite me or my fam. And you just kill your whoever. I don't know. I don't know you're going to because, you know, like I said, man's got to eat. So, yeah, you get it. Yeah, I mean, I do agree. He was given at least a choice and he's just like, no, I I shall not choose (laughs) the clear path. I will continue to make every dumb choice I can possibly make for the rest of this movie mm. and fail at every turn and somehow still win at the end. Somehow. But anyway, so... Somehow. And by the way, how many windows have you seen in a basement? Right? It was pretty insane. 
I didn't know the basement was a greenhouse. All right, guys, let's keep moving. So he screams, he is hurt, and that wakes up the mom, and she's trying to get out of her room, but she can't. So she's like screaming for Charlie to come help her, even though she's hearing screaming from Charlie's room. <laughs> and then Humperty Dink leaves. The mom then <laughs> is just like, what was wrong? He's like, oh, it was just a nightmare. And she's like, do you want a Valium? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I love 80s moms. <laughs> Oh, gosh, 80s moms. Then Charlie goes back to his room. He turns on more vampire movies and the phone rings. He picks it up and it's Humperdinck and he's watching him from his window. So Humperdinck has gone and destroyed Charlie's car, but that's nothing compared to what he'll be doing to Charlie tomorrow night. Winky face? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, perhaps. We then cut to Peter Vincent on TV being this cheesy as fuck vampire killer. And then we cut to Charlie. He's accosting Peter Vincent outside of the studio. He's asking if he really believes in vampires. And he's like, yes, I do. But no one wants to see me hunting vampires anymore. I just got sacked because all teens want to see nowadays is a demented madman running around in a ski mask, hacking up young virgins. Sound familiar? <laughs> well, he doesn't hack up the virgins. He hacks up people that have been doing it. So I don't know who he's talking about. Fair. Just saying. <laughs> All right. So Charlie says that he believes in vampires. Peter Vincent says that's nice. If there were more people like him, maybe he would have higher ratings for his show. Charlie then goes on to say that there's a vampire next door. Please help him. Peter Vincent is like, uh, are you joking? And he's like, no, please come help me. And he's like, okay, fuck you. Peace out. Peace out. I'm going. You crazy. We then cut to Amy and Ed showing up at Charlie's house. They go up to his room and it is now covered in crucifixes, garlic, and candles. Insanely, like any surface area in the entire room either has a shit ton of candles, crucifixes, or garlic on it. Does garlic ever play a good or bad way in this? No, it's just there as that dressing. Yeah, because I don't think they ever use garlic in this movie to either help or hurt him. They should have fed it to him and then he would have projectile vomited everywhere in like circles and whatever. So they missed an opportunity. Um, I suppose maybe they did. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Jeff really loves my what we do in the shadows references, I can tell. Um, <laughs> I, I do. I, I adore them. That's great. <laughs> so Charlie's on his bed whittling a steak <laughs> to kill Humperdick. As you do. <laughs> you know, could have just bought the steak from the garden center, but no, he shall whittle, whittle his own. What was the 80s? There was no Amazon back then, so you couldn't go there. You had to go to the actual hardware store. Maybe they were out of steaks. So you just oh, got well, no, because his life. car got destroyed, so he couldn't drive there. He would have had to walk. And that's just way too hard to do. It's not like Evil Ed was going to give him a ride. So, you know, and Amy had broken up with him. So there goes that. They never even go into the the Amy painting connection to the regular Amy, do they? They just like happen to have a painting. And then... he says that he knew her a long time ago. That's the only thing he says. Yeah, but they don't, it doesn't really play into the plot at all. And it doesn't even seem like he wants to keep her as a vampire. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. But anyways, Amy's telling Charlie that would be murder. And Charlie says, you can't murder a vampire because they're already dead. Fair point, Charlie. Fair point. Ed and Amy are, I wrote wigged out because apparently my uh, language starts to slide back in time as well in my notes. It was 1985 in your notebook too. Uh, Apparently. And then the news says that there's a new victim. Amy says that he'll need help. Maybe they should get Peter Vincent and Charlie's like, I already tried that. Wah, wah, wah. He doesn't believe me. I'm going to die tonight or something. Yeah, they continue to try and talk him out of it. Amy says that she's going to go get help. Charlie asks if she believes. She says that she loves him and then goes to find Peter Vincent. So when he first saw Charlie, he offered autographs and he does the same when Amy and Ed show up at his door. Amy asks if she if he can save Charlie. Vincent says that 
Charlie's insane. Your friend needs a psychiatrist, not a vampire killer. He needs both. And he's right. But <laughs> he, needs, he needs them all. He needs all of it. Amy offers Peter Vincent $500 to help, and he agrees immediately. <laughs> we then get this mirror bit where Ed says that the way that he can prove that the neighbor's not a vampire is by doing some sort of test like he does in his show to show that he's not a vampire, like showing that he has a reflection in a mirror. And Peter Vincent, <laughs> like, shows them this prop from the show, which is this little, like, hand mirror thing. We then cut to Humperdinck. He is getting a phone call, and it's Ed on the phone with, with him, with Vincent and Amy there with them. They're offering to put on a show to prove that he's not a vampire tomorrow uh, for, what's his name's sake? Charlie, that's the name. This is actually not bad, considering you know, he got paid to do it, but he's mainly doing it as a way to snap Charlie out of his lunacy of seeing na- neighbors as vampires. Yeah. Even though in this case, he happens to be right. Exactly. So Humperdinck says no crosses or holy water, and then he's in. We then cut to the next day. Vincent is pulling up to Charlie's house. He shows Charlie holy water and says that they're going to use this to prove that he's a vampire. And Charlie says that he needs way more ammunition because he knows that he is a vampire. And Vincent says that he needs to see for himself. They go inside to Humperdinck's house, and he shows up eating an apple again and i have a note about this from fun facts apparently the reason that he keeps on eating apples is because he also turns into a bat and that there are fruit bats that's the reason wow really i don't know how i feel about this i don't know how i feel about that but anyways he is immediately drawn to Amy and like goes and kisses her hand. And he's like, oh, isn't that what a vampire would do? But anyway. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Charlie asks where his coffin is. And Vincent's like, that's rude. Stop. Humperdinck says that he's used to this by now from Charlie. And then they do this whole entire song and dance with the holy water, quote unquote. And it has zero effect on him because they agreed beforehand that it would just be tap water. Charlie says that the water obviously wasn't blessed. And if this guy's really not a vampire, he should touch his cross and he whips out his cross. Humperdinck subtly threatens his friends by saying, like, do you really want to get your friends involved with this or something? I forgot what he said. Charlie gives in and they all go to leave. Vincent checks his hand mirror and sees that Humperdinck does not have a reflection. He drops the mirror and rushes off. Ed and Charlie, oh, sorry. He rushes off outside. He gets into his car and Charlie asks him what's up because clearly he is suddenly disturbed by something and he explains that Humperdinck didn't have a reflection and then drives off very quickly. Charlie then tells Ed that they have to walk Amy home and they all go off to walk her home. Meanwhile, Billy says Amy looks just like her. And then he also says that no one will ever believe Charlie now. Humperdinck is agreeing, but then he steps on a shard that was left from the broken mirror, therefore realizing what the, the, the reflection thing. And by the way, does Amy live in a warehouse? Because the way to her house is like she doesn't live in a regular neighborhood. She's went through like the darkest part of town with every warehouse and club and just like darkness the whole way. If she hadn't been out in the sunlight at this point, I was really questioning if Amy was actually a vampire. <laughs> I'm going to walk you home. I'm like, damn, where the hell does she live? There's nothing but factories and... Some sort of dance club. And, and club radio and warehouses and that's it. And docking. And like, there's like a the, the truck, like trucking, like the, with the trucks docked to like unload stuff. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Yes. No one really knows where Amy lives, but <laughs> it's not where most people do. Is it like an up? Like there's like one house and then next to it is just like... An empty lot. <laughs> and that's, you know... 
is the last house on the left. No. Um. Anyways, yes. So we cut to them walking her home, and Ed goes down an alley on his own, and then screams. They run off after him, and he pretends that he was bitten and tries to scare them. And then they're like, "Fuck you, you freak!" And they leave him. We then cut to Humperdinck, and he bats off into the warehouse area that they're in. <laughs> And starts to follow Ed home. Ed starts running and I wrote, Humperdinck Michael Myers is his way after him. Well, he Michael Myers himself a bunch later on. Yeah, where he's just walking at the slow and steady pace and this kid is like running and tripping over everything he can possibly trip on. Speaking of which, have you seen that video of this guy's just like every white guy in, or every white person in a yeah. film? And it's him just like yeah. tripping on everything, doing the dishes while still screaming and running. Like. <laughs> that one. That was fun. Yes, it was great. But th- that's exactly what I was thinking of here as Ed was running. <laughs> he just like, like his- falls into a pile of garbage and then like struggles to get out of the pile of garbage. <laughs> like, like it's funny with our horror references that you like when you say you go he goes oh Michael Myers and my brain I'm like he's going oh Jason Voorhees on him he's walking at a steady pace and <laughs> trying to go catch him Michael Myers was first okay he was but Jason's more prolific is he numbers a lot I don't know maybe it's because I watch Halloween every Halloween and I have seen Friday the 13th a couple times <laughs> See, I'm in the exact opposite boat. I've seen Friday 13th, the series, not like the first one, more times than I can count. And Halloween, the original, I might have seen it twice. Then I've watched a whole bunch of Busta Rhymes ones and Josh Hartnett ones. I have seen the Josh Hartnett one uh, quite a few times. And the best one. The Rob Zombie one. Yeah, I don't like the Rob Zombie ones too much. The first one's okay. I like how they just totally did, did something different with it. It was all right. The second one, I don't know what the hell Rob Zombie was on. The remake, the, the new, well, whatever the new one is. <laughs> Where Lori has, you know, stockpiled mannequins. <laughs> yeah, she, she went to Mannequin Clearinghouse and just bought them all. She bought them all from Jigsaw, remember? Exactly. Hey, Or Jigsaw bought them all for her. I don't know which one it is. Or maybe she went to the Jigsaw Estate Sale. There it is. Yeah. Jigsaw Estate Sale. Nothing but mannequins. <laughs> Boom. Lori got mannequins. Oh, yes. I was Lori for Halloween this year. It was a lot of fun. Yes. I got, Can't imagine. I got to buy bell-bottom jeans and my life was complete. And how many mannequins did you buy? Zero mannequins were hurt in the process of me making that Halloween costume. And I don't believe you were Laurie Strode at all. I was her in the first movie. Thank you. (laughs) You had no mannequins in that one. We don't know. We're not sure about that. Maybe she just had one and they didn't show. She didn't have the 20 she got had had later on. (laughs) Her obsession hadn't started yet. Yes. It's always always so small. Yeah, so Humperdinck is after Ed, and Ed's just falling over everything, and then he hits a dead end in this alleyway, and Humperdinck appears behind him. He offers him that he'll make it so that they don't make fun of him or beat him up anymore. Just take his hand. Then it shows that he has the long fingernails again. Ed takes his hand, and then we hear a scream. Amy tells Charlie not to fall for it. Ed's tricking them again, and she's like, fuck you, evil. Well, I don't think she says fuck you, but that's my interpretation. <laughs> I think she does say that. Or she says something She says something similar to that, if not that exactly. Yeah. I missed this, and for some reason, my the video stream wouldn't let me rewind all of a sudden. It was just like, no, I'm going to be glitchy and not let you rewind. 
And so a light post exploded? Question mark? I think it did. Okay. So then they run and Humperdinck is after them. They go into a club and then a, a chef goes after them, was it? I forget who went after them. All right. This is ridiculous. They try to get into the front door of Club Radio. Then they can't because it's obviously it's a line of bouncers. So then they go around the back and get into the kitchen of Club Radio. Then they would go in there like in a restaurant slash club. Yeah. I don't know. And then a chef is chasing them. And a chef is chasing them like with because they because when they go into the window, they go in like to where the chef is preparing something and the chef comes out. It's weird. But then they get to stay in the club. No harm, no foul on that one. Yeah. And they decide to go and call the cops from the payphone in the club. We cut to Ed. He's at Vincent's house saying, there's a vampire out here. Let me in. And so Vincent opens the door and pulls him in. Then Ed reveals that he's a vampire and attacks Vincent. Vincent puts a cross on his head and it burns into his head. Ed says that his master will kill him for this and then jumps through the window. We cut to Charlie at the club and he says that the cops don't believe him. Amy's scared. She has, she has this stupid cryy whiny voice that she does a lot of the time and it just Ugh. it's like nails on a chalkboard for me. So she's saying she's scared. Charlie asks for Peter Vincent's number and she says that he doesn't care. I have to pay him to show up and he's like I don't care. Give me the number. She does and he goes off to call him. Meanwhile Humperdinck is now in the club and he's stalking Amy and then appears right in front of her and smiles and she's just all of a sudden hypnotized by him I think? Question, question, question mark He looks at her and then all of a sudden she's like screw this Charlie dude, I am all about vampire man, I'm hypnotized I'm about that dick anyway <laughs> exactly she's not looking like she's hypnotized really as much as she's like aroused it's just weird so they go off and they start dancing and like they were auditioning for dirty dancing part two i think i don't know but it was just it was some intense dancing they weren't even they were like fucking on the dance floor they weren't even dancing really yeah. they were just like he lifts up her skirt at one point and then like thrusts and i was like are they having sex on the dance floor and i was so confused she then bears her neck to him and then opens up like his collar and starts like kissing down his chest and like slides down his body and I'm like is she gonna blow him I don't what what is happening but then they just start dancing again and I'm like um what I don't know the movie changed so dramatically from like this nice 80s campy horror movie to like a softcore Cinemax porno movie. Yeah, it was just, I don't know what was happening in the scene, but it was pretty much pornographic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Charlie then catches their public displays of affection. <laughs> and I like how everybody, the rest of the club, nonplus. Just like, whoa, yeah. something's happening? Can't tell. But like, oh yeah, we're used to people being like totally coked out and trying to have sex on the dance floor. That happens all the time. <laughs> it's like every other Thursday, whatever. So Charlie sees them and he tries to stop them and then Humperdinck kisses her and tells Charlie to bring Peter Vincent to his house if he ever wants to see Amy again. This was another moment where I have been in the middle of writing a note and then miss things. So why does security come after Humperdinck? Well, no, no. What happens is they don't come after Humperdinck. They come after Charlie, oh. right? Because Charlie makes a scene, obviously. And then as they're kicking out Charlie, like they do a normal clue in clubs when they do kick people out that are having a fight. They, you, they don't let you leave the same way because that way you just get a fight outside. So they take Charlie out one way and then they say, all right, no, you go this way. And when they do that, that's when Humperdinck loses it. True. So he gets all like vamp hands on this guy and attacks him. Mm -hmm. 
I like how he throws him mm-hmm. and then he slides like 55 feet into like something. The fakest way ever that I've ever seen, but it looks amazing. <laughs> By the way, we haven't mentioned this yet, but the effects are actually really good in this movie. Yes, the effects are quite amazing. The makeup's pretty decent as well. It's good. It's solid. The effects hold up. No, all practical, obviously, mm-hmm. but really good practical. Like they were, I don't know who did the effects in this movie, but they did a good job. Yes, no, the effects are really good. I miss practical effects. I know that like technically you can do CGI and it looks better than that, but it doesn't look better than that to me. I'm just like, there's something really cool about practical effects. They're fascinating. Like every time an effect came up, like, wow, I was shocked every time. Like, wow, this is really good. Like the entire movie, I'm like, wow, this is another good one. But anyway, so he throws the security guard. Everyone starts running. Charlie and Amy run together for a moment, but then they're separated. And then Humperdinck gets Amy and they leave in a car with Ed in the back being <laughs> the psychopath that he is. He's like screaming something. I don't know what he's screaming, but being all weird. Warriors, come out and play. I don't know. He's screaming something. So didn't get the Warriors reference. What's Warriors? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> The disappointment is so strong here. The Warriors is a is this great 80s movie. I think it's like 80, like 8080. How can I word it? It's like New York is run down with gangs, nothing but gangs, and every gang is different. And they all go to Van Cortland Park to have the meeting of all the gangs. And the gangs talk about how they're going to take over New York one block at a time. And then they kill the gang leader. And there's a, a gang called the Warriors that get blamed for it. And then all the other gangs have to hunt the Warriors down. They have to go from the Bronx to Brooklyn to their territory where, where they're they're going to be safe. And then there's, at the end, the guy that sets him up, he gets these bottles and clings them together because he knows he did it. He goes, Warriors, come out and play. And he kind of sounds like, well, he kind of sounds like Evil Ed in this. So what I'm hearing is next movie night, this is one of the double feature. Because <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah, our next fun movie night is going to be this. I haven't seen Warriors in a long time, but man, that is, it's a classic. It is, it's not a horror movie. Just heads up. It's not a horror movie, but it is a classic. Movie. Yeah, that, that's fine. We don't always have to do horror. I know we mainly do horror, but... <laughs> exactly. We mainly do horror, but this one is not a horror movie, but it, it's really good. Like, it, I enjoy it. All right, back to this movie. Charlie goes to Peter Vincent's house for help, and Peter Vincent makes him touch a cross to prove that he is not a vampire. He does, and then Charlie says that Humperdinck is going to kill Amy unless go over to his house and help. Peter Vincent offers to call the cops, and Charlie says that won't work. Peter Vincent then says that he is terrified. He was just an actor. He's not a real vampire killer. And Charlie begins to beg him to please come help more. I don't know why. Yes, I do know why. Because the Humperdinck said, bring Peter Vincent. Okay. Because it's not like he was going to be helpful at all. Especially knowing he's an actor and doesn't know what the hell's going on or how to really do anything. Yeah. The only reason is that Humperdinck said, bring Peter Vincent or you'll never see Amy again. I think we're getting to the part now where when Amy and the vampire get home, boy, it's go time. Yes, exactly. We cut to Humperdinck's. Amy is now in some like Togo dress thing. I don't know what this dress is, but... it reminded me of the Marilyn Monroe. I was going to say it's part Marilyn Monroe, part Toga, part I don't know what else. But it's an interesting choice. Yeah. She is lying on a rug by the fire and Humperdinck is playing music. Then she wakes up and she looks around and there's portraits of her doppelganger all over the room. Humperdinck says that she's someone he knew a long time ago. She then asks where she is and where Charlie is. Humperdinck undresses himself and like kneels in front of her, starts kissing her. She protests for a second, but then she takes her own dress off and they kiss more and he bites her. And then the moaning begins. Cut to the next scene. Yeah, there's so much moaning. And there's a part before he bites her that 
it's just that sudden thrust thing that they keep on doing while she moans that makes me think that <laughs> there is penetration when there isn't. I It just is very confusing. Well, he's a vampire. His anatomy might be different. Maybe there is penetration. We're just not aware of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now all I'm thinking about <laughs> is the Baron without his genitals. That's why he's such a great lover. Remember, he does have those long fingers also. Yeah, but nobody wants those nails up in... Mm-mm. No one wants those nails in their business. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, Lord. Okay, well, we cut back to Charlie. <laughs> he's arriving at Humperdinks with Peter Vincent, and Peter Vincent sneaks up behind him with the vampire killing kit. They approach the house together, and Peter Vincent says that they should go around to the back and sneak in and then the front door just opens on its own. They're like, too late. Peter Vincent is hyping himself up. He's just saying, I am Peter Vincent, the great vampire killer. over and over again. The whole way into the house. I am Peter Vincent, the great vampire killer. So Peter Vincent and Charlie go into the house and we get the bat's point of view looking at them through the windows. Peter Vincent says that they should come back at dawn instead, but Charlie reminds them that Amy will be dead by then. Humperdinck then scrapes his nail along the banister and says, welcome to Fright Night for real. Because I don't think I mentioned yet, but Peter Vincent's show that he had on TV where he would play vampire movies was called Fright Night. He says that Amy is upstairs behind him, but they have to get past him to get to Amy. Peter Vincent holds up a crucifix saying, back spawn of Satan. (laughs) But Humperdinck laughs at him and grabs the cross and crushes it, saying that you have to have faith in it for it to actually work. Charlie then holds up his cross and Humperdinck backs away because apparently Charlie has faith. Yeah, yeah, Charlie... Very religious, as you can tell by the 20,000 crucifixes he has in his bedroom. And his stockpile of holy candles. Billy then knocks Charlie over the banister, and then Peter Vincent runs. (laughs) He goes over to Charlie's house, calling for Charlie's mom. He then grabs the phone to call the police, but he sees the phone line is cut. He goes up to Charlie's mom's bedroom, and we see this raggedy Ann wig sticking up over the covers, and he pulls back the covers. It's Ed in there wearing the raggedy Ann there. Looking beyond evil. Yeah. And by the way, besides getting some hot cocoa, what was Charlie's mom going to really do? Yeah, I I don't know. Unless Peter Vincent was just going to like warn her of everything because technically Humperdinck's allowed in her house. I don't know. But also, I have a really serious question here. Okay. Okay. How did Ed get the Raggedy Ann hair off of the Raggedy Ann and put it on his head? He had some time on his hands. So he mm-hmm. we already had seen the Raggedy Ann doll. That's right. Raggedy Ann foreshadowing. And maybe he just like ripped her head off and then just started plucking at the at the wig part. So if it was that easy to defeat Annabelle this whole time, what the fuck have the Warrens been doing? Well, they have been uh, talking about nuns and the crooked man <laughs> and doing Elvis concerts in England, apparently. And yeah, that's what they've been doing. And, and whatever the new one's about that comes out in, a, in like a month or so. Oh my gosh. I, I looked up the actual case and it's just ridiculous. But anyways... <laughs> Oh, is it? Yeah, it's it's just some guy who killed his landlord and then tried to claim that the devil made him do it. Well, all right, devil made me do it. Is is like the subtitle? Mm-hmm. No, he was like, right. I was possessed, and that's why I did it. And the court just threw that out, and we're like, No, 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 you're a killer. You're going to jail. And now he has a movie. Great. Yep. Uh, gotta love it. Just got just just got toots. It's great. It's really great of Ed and Lorraine to bring justice to this. <laughs> I can't even. No, I'm joking. Uh, <sighs> At this point, it's just Lorraine, right? Because Ed is no longer with I us. I think she died too, didn't she? I thought she was still alive. I thought she recently she died. Oh, maybe it was recently. I don't know if she was alive when the movie came out, the original. I don't yeah. know she, she might have died since then. I 
think she died. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. I'm pretty sure she did, like, in the last year. Oh, I got it. So then if she died recently, will, like, Conjuring 4 be, like, Ed and Lorraine haunting somebody? <laughs> back to this movie. Okay. Okay, now we can go back. <laughs> so Peter Vincent backs away down the hallway from Ed, and he falls down and breaks a table. Then Ed turns into a wolf, question mark? Yeah. Into a wolf. Or a husky. Or more likely a wolf. I, do vampires turn into wolves? Is that a thing? I don't know. That is a thing. That is a thing. I've seen it. Okay. Peter Vincent then stakes the wolf and it falls, breaks the banister and falls down onto the first floor. And then it flares around a whole lot. And then he starts turning back into a human. Sorry, I interrupted you. He doesn't stake a wolf so much as he's holding a stake and the wolf stakes itself. Yeah, but I think it was his intention to stake the wolf. I don't I don't think so. I think he's just holding it and was scared still. And then the wolf Why did a stupid move and jumped on. Pick him. up a piece of the table. Fear. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I think his intention was to stake it. Because otherwise, why would you pick up a piece of the table you just broke and then hold it yeah, like you, that? There's a wolf there. You're going to try to pick up something, something to defend yourself. And you're not Liam Neeson to do like broken bottles and stuff on your, your knuckles. Well, we can disagree once again. I think that he messed <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, Ed starts turning back into like a human very slowly. So there's parts where he's like, his head is still a wolf, but his body is human. He's trying to pull the wooden table leg out of his chest. And great effects, by the way. Great effect on this. Absolutely great effects. And then he turns fully into human form and dies. Hmm. No, he doesn't. Question mark. We, we think he dies here. Supposed to die, I'm guessing, but whatever. Yeah. Sequel bait. Um, Peter Vincent hor- uh, is horrified. And then we cut to Humperdinks. Uh, he carries Charlie over his shoulder and drops him beside Amy on in front of the fire. Then leaves him a stake and says that he'll need it by dawn um, and locks them in the room. Charlie turns over Amy to reveal that she is a vampire. We then see Peter Vincent. He takes the wooden stake out of Ed's body and heads back to Humperdinck's house. He picks up his vampire killing kit from the front door and makes his way upstairs. He tries to open the door where Peter is and then he's uh, not Peter, where uh, Charlie is and he starts whispering to him. He tells him to make lots of noise so that he can break down the door without them hearing. So Charlie starts screaming for help and then he breaks down the door. Humperdinck is eating an apple again and says that he thinks that she must have opened his eyes and that's why he's screaming. Peter Vincent gets inside and Humperdinck then says, oh no, we have a visitor. Charlie shows Peter Vincent. Actually, the, this is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, Peter Vincent said, oh no, oh, oh my God, I think, or something like that. And when he says that is when um, the vampire is like, oh, we have guests. We have somebody else here. Like, it's like the God. I think that's what got him to, huh. to look. Nice pickup on that. Yeah. Hey, you know, I get a good one every so often. Charlie shows Peter Vincent that Amy is a vampire and asks if it's too late for her to save her. He says, not if they kill Humperdinck before dawn. Charlie asks, are you sure? And so far, everything has been right from the movies. So hopefully this is too. All right. And now we hit the second rule. This is the one I don't like. They did the one I like. And this is the one I don't. I don't like how if you turn to a vampire and you kill the vampire that turned you, now you don't, you're not a vampire anymore. But only if it's like before dawn. Yeah. But then they kill him after dawn, technically, and it's still uh, They don't follow their own rules because, spoiler, Evil Ed lives as a vampire and they, him and the girl, weren't they turned the same night? Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't make sense. No, this is the rule. I don't, this is one of the vampire rules that I've seen a bunch and I don't like. And it has a name like the, the rule of the first or some junk. It has some weird, funny rule that I don't like. Like if I give you a cold, then I get cured. You don't get cured also, right? Wait, you just solved COVID. <laughs> 
I did. <laughs> if one person gets the vaccine, it cures everybody. That that person, but you gotta find the person that got everybody sick. Is the thing. That's that's what the hard part's been. They don't know who patient zero was. That's what they're looking oh, for. Oh no! Because if you cure them, everybody else just gets cured because. So that's so that's like the rule. I'm like, I don't I don't like it. And you've seen a bunch of vampire movies. I guess I don't watch that many vampire movies. My vampire lore is all Buffy, and that doesn't happen in Buffy. Even though Buffy, the movie, has some callbacks to this, like the best friend gets turned, Luke Perry's friend gets turned. Mm-hmm. Except Luke Perry's friend doesn't try to kill him. But he does, but doesn't, like, not like not like Evil Ed. Evil Ed is a screw it, I never liked you anyway kind of thing. And he's way too heavy about killing his friends and his mom and his girlfriend. <laughs> like Peter Vincent, I'm just trying to kill everybody. I'm like, all right, this is... He's like, finally, I can do this. I've been trying all these years. I got it. Evil Ed is, he's turned up to 11. See, somebody is always at 11. Always at 11. Doing way too much Ed in this movie at 11. <laughs> for no good reason. Okay. Well, Billy comes after them and then Peter Vincent shoots him in the head and he falls down the stairs, apparently dead. Humperdinck comes up behind them and Charlie holds up his cross. Humperdinck says pretty much that like Billy might not be dead. And then we see Billy get up and he starts walking back up the stairs and Humperdinck flees. Peter Vincent is saying that he was probably bluffing about Billy still being alive. But then they turn around and they see Billy walking up the stairs. Peter Vincent shoots him three more times. But then when the smoke clears, he's still coming up the stairs. He just never relents. Never. (laughs) Never. He then grabs Peter Vincent and Charlie stabs him in the chest with a stake. And then he melts into green goop until he's a skeleton? Question mark? Yes. I'm trying to figure out what he was or is or what what, what it was. Just what it was. I don't know. He turns into a skeleton and then the skeleton shatters. Cool effect again. Another cool effect. Don't know what he was, but apparently the actor who played him, he tried to take a shower before he went home from filming the scene. And the plumbing was fucked on set, so he couldn't. So then he had to drive home and he had to get gas on the way. And the gas attendant was staring at him like he was fucking crazy because he was covered in all this like red and green goop. And then when he drove away, he saw the attendant immediately run to go make a phone call. And he's like, I think he called the cops. I should get out of here before the cops show up. (laughs) But anyway, so yes, he dies. Then Charlie and Peter Vincent go to check on Amy. She's turning even more now. Humperdinck is outside the window and almost gets Peter Vincent, but then Peter Vincent comes back inside and then Humperdinck goes up to the roof and he commands Amy to wake and prove how much she loves him by killing them both. And then gets really angry and he breaks his house. Yeah, Yeah, I don't understand him hitting the chimney, but he does. Uh, Peter Vincent says that he's on the roof, so Charlie goes after him. Peter goes to check on Amy and she's all teeth and vampy eyes. Fun note about these eyes, they were handmade contacts that were made of like a hard plastic and they hurt her eyes so much that they had to take them back out and sand them down a bit, then put them back in. Yeah, I'd I'd like somebody to sand down stuff, something I'm putting in my eye. Sure, that feels about right. Sounds like a great time. Also, she has a mullet now is my other note. She got her hair done. Yeah, her hair miraculously grows into a mullet and changes color. Now she has red hair. Don't understand. But anyways, Peter Vincent holds up a cross and she cowers. Then Peter Vincent comes out for Charlie, who says Humperdinck's not on the roof. Humperdinck then appears in the window behind Peter Vincent, and Charlie says he's headed downstairs, and he runs downstairs. But then Humperdinck jumps through the stained glass window instead. Peter Vincent holds up a cross again, but Humperdinck says he has to have faith for it to work. But then it starts to work. So he, he didn't have faith, and then he did? Like... I didn't know faith was something you could have, like, a, you turn it off and on, like a switch. Yeah, like, from one second to the next. No faith. Faith! 
And then also it worked on Amy previously. So clearly he had faith in it then, or was she just uninformed about this and decided that it would just work anyway? Maybe she doesn't. Yeah, maybe she doesn't know that you need to have faith for it to work. Like George Michael said. (laughs) There it is. That's natural. See, look, see, that's why I make a good team. (laughs) That one works. Okay, so then it starts to work. And it's also dawn outside of the broken window and Peter Vincent says he's out of time and then a spark hits Humperdinck and he turns into a bat and flies through the house and then attacks Peter Vincent and Peter Vincent is trying to like hit him with the stake. Apparently the actor actually broke the bat puppet that they were using very badly during the scene that they had to pause for two days to fix it. I had a feeling because he was really going, Roddy McDowell was going ham on this puppet. (laughs) Charlie tries to help but he gets bitten so I I guess when bitten in bat form, it doesn't turn you. Don't know. I thought that at the time. Like, he's getting bitten. Oh, no. He's a vampire now. Or he's not, I guess. All right, fine. Yeah, Peter Vincent holds the bat up to the sunlight and he begins to burn. So then he flies off into the basement. Then Peter Vincent and Charlie follow it down into the basement and they start searching. They hear a door creak and they decide to split up. Amy then comes downstairs and Charlie says, Amy, it's me. And she's like, I know. And then vampire hisses. Peter Vincent finds a hidden door and he opens it to find the coffin behind it. He tries to open it, but he says that Humperdinck is holding it shut from the inside. Which doesn't make sense to me because when he finally opens it, Humperdinck is apparently asleep. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Vamp Amy is approaching Charlie. She says, don't be frightened, Charlie. What's wrong? Don't you want me anymore? And then she lunges at him and he holds up the cross. She then cries in her old, annoying Amy voice. And it's like, it's not my fault, Charlie. You promised you wouldn't let him get me. You promised. It's all your fault. Mm -hmm. Charlie's moved and he drops the cross to the floor. And then Amy reveals the famous Fright Night shark mouth. Yes. And then she, as he touches her shoulders, she turns around and lunges at him, knocking him over and then behind furniture somehow. And then she starts breaking the furniture trying to get to him and he's like running from her meanwhile peter vincent is chiseling away at the coffin and then finally breaks through charlie runs and amy jumps on top of him he calls for peter to help as peter vincent is raising his stake to finish off humperdinck his eyes open because he was apparently asleep in the coffin even though he was holding it shut and, but still sleeping. He, he, you know, he, he falls asleep pretty quickly, this guy. You know, it's just he like has, vampire melatonin or something. Just He has the famous Ray death grip, as we call it. My best friend Ray, whenever she goes to sleep, she, like, wraps the blanket up in her claw-like hand and, like, holds it underneath her chin so that you can't get any extra blankets. <laughs> like, she just holds it with this death grip as she sleeps. So Humperdinck has that for his So Charlie and Amy are struggling and Peter Vincent hammers the stake into Humperdinck's heart. He shoots up from the coffin, much like Nandor when he first woke up in the first episode of What We Do in the Shadows. And Amy turns to look at him and then shields her face. Not sure why. He screams in pain and then rips the stake out, throwing it and breaking one of the windows so that a beam of sunlight comes into the basement. Amy attacks Charlie and Humperdinck attacks Peter Vincent. And Charlie smashes open the windows one by one. And as Jeff mentioned, there are so many windows in this basement. I've never seen so many windows in a basement, in a basement in my life. So I'm I'm considering our basement at my parents' house and we have one, two, three, four, ba- we have four basement windows. But these people, have, he had like 15 basement windows? Yeah. So anyways, he just starts smashing all these windows and Peter Vincent joins in and starts smashing the windows too. 
And then Peter Vincent runs to close the coffin because he sees Humperdinck is going for the coffin. And then Humperdinck starts laughing because he has Peter Vincent cornered, I guess, in an area that there's no sunlight. But then Charlie miraculously appears and opens up the last window, like moves. This, this made no sense because Peter Vincent, yeah, Peter Vincent's cornered, right? Mm-hmm. And the vampire is coming to get him. And then Charlie runs past the vampire to Peter Vincent to open up a curtain that's behind them, exposing an open, uh, exposing a, a window. Mm-hmm. And then killing the vampire. Yeah, no sense. Makes zero sense. I don't understand it. But that's what happens. And Humperdinck catches fire and he bursts into a ball of batty flames because his skeleton is that of the bat. And he's screaming for Amy. Amy is then returned to her human form and her and Charlie hug. And then Peter Vincent joins in their hug. We cut to night. We pan from Humperdinck's house to Charlie's house and go inside the window like we did at the beginning of the movie. Charlie and Amy are making out in bed this time and watching Peter Vincent on Fright Night. Yeah, they moved up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie gets a call out on the Friday at night episode and then he turns off the TV and looks at the neighbor's house. There's nothing in the window. Amy asks if something's wrong. He says nothing and goes back to bed. Then we see two glowing eyes next door in the window and we hear Evil Ed laugh and say, you're so funny, Brewster, which is Charlie's last name. I didn't mention that. But that's the end of the movie. Credit time. I really like this movie. I had fun. I had fun watching this movie too. And it's campy. It's hokey. There's parts that make no sense, but that's okay. Hey. It's everything I wanted the last week to be. Like, I just want I wanted something light and fun I can enjoy. And this was it. It hit ticked all the boxes for me. I liked it. I would only really change one thing in this movie. Mm. The more I think about it, is not make evil Ed so evil before he gets turned. Okay. Yes, I agree with you there. Not make him as evil when he's human. And also let's write Amy better. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, give her some agency. <laughs> And don't make her... She She broke up with her boyfriend and she threw a burger. But then she comes back and she always apologizes for it. Yeah, that's the bad side. Anytime she breaks up with him, she immediately comes back and is like, no, it was all my fault. And But it really wasn't. That she has every right in the world to be mad. And the whole, no, for a whole year I've said you can't even feel me up and then I'm going to jump to let's have sex. No, doesn't work like that unless it's not full consent and like you're not really agree- like you know what I mean you're being coerced and that's not a good thing I would make even though Charlie's an idiot like make him yeah. I don't know somewhat of a human being like just like he has no thought process and the way that he treats everyone is terrible <laughs> I don't know it works to make the movie fun is what it is it just works because if he'd act like a normal human being one he probably wouldn't even have noticed the coffin come in and if he did he goes huh that's weird anyway back to making out my girlfriend and that would have been that the end yes that is fair but it's just going from yelling at your girlfriend for never letting you feel her up to completely distracted and so rude to her treat Amy better <laughs> That's all I ask, Charlie. That's what I would do. I love the character of Peter Vincent. Wouldn't change that at all. Um, no, wouldn't change that at all. Humperdinck does a great job as well. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's doing great. Fill in that plot hole of why is Ed still alive if Amy is not a vampire anymore? Maybe Ed could be alive, but not a vampire anymore and still evil, I guess, because he was evil Ed regardless. That doesn't quite make sense to me, so fix that up. No. But otherwise, like I'm saying all these things as if like this movie was terrible, but it wasn't. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Also, you 
there's something about 80s movies that you take with a grain of salt. It like you don't holding it up to the standards of today <laughs> with like it's unfair. It's unfair because the social issues of today were not being addressed back then and people didn't see as much of a problem with them. But those are the things I would change if it was made today. Yeah, and it's not bad to bring them to light. Like, all right, this these are not good things. They weren't good then. They're not good now. But the world didn't see them the way we see them today. You know, we, people, the culture and people evolve over time. We can't hold the values of, what, 35 years ago to the values of today's. Yep. No, I completely agree. But overall, very enjoyable movie i i am excited to see the sequel but at the same time i have feelings it won't be as good but i have feelings it won't be as good also but i've never watched it i'll find out i'm hoping i enjoy it so i'm trepidatious but excited about next week i'm real excited for the following week because i can't wait to see what the remake of this look like i remember me really really liking it but we have to rate this movie first jeff this is like an eight for me i I really had fun Uh, with this yeah um yeah i'm a tough grade i'm noticing i'm a very tough grade when it comes to movies i'm gonna go eight I have this one at a seven for me. Okay. I'll still be between seven and eight, but I went eight. Yeah. And average is 7.5. I could do that one in my head. I don't know. It's just in my head. I was like, okay, I definitely enjoyed some of the other movies that we've seen more than this, even though I love the campiness. It's just the rewatch value, I think. I'm not sure. But at the end, I landed on seven for this. Yeah, because as much as I enjoyed this movie, I can't see me seeing it again anytime soon. I'd see it again, but like, not if you tell me, oh, let's see it again tomorrow. I'm like, eh, I don't know about all that. Let's see something else. Yeah. But you told me the same thing a year from now, a year and a half from now. Like, yeah, let's go. I remember this movie was fun, you know. Exactly. And whereas Saw 1, for example, for me, I will watch that multiple times in a year. It, like, I, I love that movie. It always holds up to me. If you're going to have like a fun movie night with friends, you know, just get just watch something campy and fun. You don't have to really think about it while you're drinking or whatever. Hey, this is a, this is a good pick. Agreed. But anyways, I, I'm excited to see what else this series has for us. It, it feels like a breath of fresh air. It really does. It really does. Oh, so nice. So nice. So nice and light. It's like a salad. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't eat salad. But if, it, but if I did, this is what I imagine salads not feel like. Oh. All right. Well, we're excited for next week. We hope that you're excited to join us along this ride with the Bright Night Journey. You can join us on social media. Tell us what you're thinking at Series of Horrors Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, and if you want to write us a more personal message, and you could always send us an email to seriesofhorrors at gmail.com. You know, let us know what you think of the ride, what's going on, you know, suggestions for not only the franchise, but also, let's say, our little palate cleansers that we have in between starting a new franchise. You know, if you have something, hey, maybe this would be cool. There's not three of them in a franchise, but this is a cool show or a cool one-off movie or whatever. You know, hey, we're open to suggestions. We want to hear see what you guys are thinking. This is our show as much as it is yours or your show as much as it is ours. You know what I mean. Also, if you don't mind and if you love what we do, I would totally suggest to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend, you know, get the word out there. A couple of reviews would be nice, you know, a couple of five stars. We have some plans and thoughts about stuff like that, which will come down the line once we have things a little bit more ironed out, I would say. But we are planning things for the future. Hopefully you guys will like what we have in, what we're, what we're in the beginning stages of setting up for you guys. You know, we're only just, just getting started with this. You know, it's a long, long, long ride here. And we love you, Ireland. We see you. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Ireland. See you guys next week for Fright Night 2, the next movie in the Fright Night series. The 80s one, not the newer one. So just in case you guys are watching along with us, not the newer sequel, the older sequel. See you guys next week. We'll see you next week. Having fun with you. Yep, see you guys. Bye.